Amen, 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 amen. Well, good evening, church. My name is Miata Jones, and I get the honor of bringing the word tonight. Yay! Three of my friends are here, so, you know, if you hear them on camera. Um, how amazing was that worship and that word from Pastor AJ? It was amazing. And as I was listening to worship tonight, um, I just kept remembering the encouragement that God gave me this week. To be honest, I've been moping around and complaining and really trying to wish this season away. I don't know if you're like me, but God reminded me this week and through the worship team that do not grow weary. Do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap if you do not give up. Do not Grow weary because God is in the process of preparing you for what he's already prepared. Do not grow weary because your breakthrough is on the other side of this moment. Do not grow weary because your healing is in the middle of this. Why is that important? Because I believe that we get to choose who we are on the other side of this. I don't want to be the same when I come out of this quarantine moment. Um, I don't want to have the same sin patterns. I don't want to have the same mindset. I don't even want to have the same um, lackadaisical attitude towards my relationship with God. I want to be different. So I want to use this moment, this season to lean into God and not lean out. And we've been in week 7,565 of quarantine (laughs) and we're getting tired. We're getting weary. Um, And I just was so encouraged by that word. So I hope that it encourages you tonight. Um, So tonight I just want to spend a few minutes talking about this word called rooted in love. Can we pray? Father, I thank you so much um, that there is no one like you. God, that you are um, seated high and above, and yet you come near to us. And tonight, God, we are desperate. We are longing for a word from you, God. We need a fresh um, dose of your spirit in this season. God, would you enter every single home, every single person that hears the sound of my voice? Holy Spirit, would you meet them in a powerful way? Would you come and remind them that you are for them, that you are with them, that you are their front and their rear guard, and that you are, you are a God that never fails and never lies. You are faithful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, yeah. So tag the person who's watching this next to you or type in the chat room. It's Wednesday and you're doing better than you think. Um, It's Wednesday and you're doing better than you think. This past week or so, um, an amazing man of God passed away, Ravi Zacharias. I know um, maybe you've seen some clips of his preaching and teaching. um, And I've been watching it and writing people's commentaries on him. And I keep asking myself this question, how do you stay in love with God, on fire, passionate, full of compassion and conviction for over 60 years? He died at 74, he was saved at 18 years old. How do you stay compassionate, full of passion for God for 60 years? A life that Everyone that's commenting on his life, when they encountered him, they were stunned by both his humility and his brilliance, his fiery passion and his compassion. And not only was he a critical thinker, but he wasn't critical and he wasn't cynical. 
I'm sure for over those 60 years, he encountered things that we're encountering every single day, right? Um, Loss and confusion and disappointment and doubt. And yet he never seemed to look like what he had been through. How? I think we see a clue in 1 Thessalonians 1.3. Will you turn with that there with me? Pardon me while I go to my Bible. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 3 says, Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the second time we see this kind of triplet of faith, hope, and love mentioned in the Bible. The first time was in Paul's letter to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians, and it's um, nestled in chapter 13 between chapter 12 and chapter 14. In chapter 12, he is convicting them about the fact that they wanted to use their spiritual gifts to be impressive, to... um, honor themselves, to show themselves worthy. And he was saying the only thing that will last beyond your spiritual gifts, the only thing that's impressive in a Christian life is these three things, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these, as we all know, is love. So for a people who are motivated to be impressive, to bring themselves honor, love is more concerned with honor and the care of others. So you see here in 1 Thessalonians 1.3, Paul is not convicting the church. He's actually commending them because they're doing the opposite. He's saying, I see your faith and the way that you show up on Wednesdays and Sundays, even if it's online. I see you spending your Saturday collecting food items for those in need in your community. I see you writing letters and buying extra supplies at the store so we could be the hands and feet of Jesus in our neighborhoods. I see you leading small groups on Zoom and sending encouraging posts to your friends. I see you laboring in love for the sake of the gospel. Don't stop because it's producing something priceless in you and through you. So tonight, I just want to focus on the second part, which is their labor in love. And Garrison killed it last week, helping us to see that working from approval is the continual posture that our heart needs to be in. So we see this group of people, the church in Thessalonica, they exhibited this posture of heart with faith, which led them to their why and their how, which was laboring in love. Now, if um, I did a little research this week about this Three words that I was asked to preach on. And we see here uh, in Greek that the word labor, it means kopos. It means they worked hard, they toiled. It was a strenuous work. That they worked to remain faithful to the work of God in them and the work that God was doing through them in the midst of persecution and chaos around them. Does that sound familiar? The scenario of chaos and, and anxiety all around us, and yet they remained faithful to the work that God was doing in them and through them because of love. So I've always been a hard worker. I'm the middle child of three girls, and admittedly, I'm probably the most type A, uh, and I'm the most organized one, and probably the most responsible. Sorry, Chantal, if you're watching this, I love you so much, you know that it's true. 
Um, Even from a young age, my Martha tendencies were showing themselves. I kept a caboodle full of letters. I I found it the other day. I I kept a caboodle full of letters from my friends from back in third grade. I had trinkets from my field trip adventures. I even found a journal from when I was in middle school that had detailed notes of what I did that day and my feelings and what I would do the next day from making my bed to riding my bike to um, going to swim in the pool. See, I've always been a planner. Shocker, the top, my top five uh, strength finder is responsibility. So you can tell. I love planning. The natural bend in my soul, though, worked, leans very heavily towards work. I'm working for all types of reasons. I'm working because it's right thing to do. I'm working because it's required. I'm working because I want to make something happen. But it's not always working in love. In Genesis, we see God make man in his image and called us to cultivate, to create, to tend, to keep. So it's a very real part of our DNA to want to create things with our own hands, to work, because that's our initial identity. It was found in knowing that God made us to be and to do. But then came the fall and it changed everything. Everything was broken. Our identity, our relationships with each other, our relationship with our work, and our relationship with the world around us. Sin entered the world, and it, the very thing that God created, created us to be and to do was distorted. Instead of working for God and with God, we wanted to work for ourselves. Now we strive to take our lives into our own hands and consciously or unconsciously, we think we can create a good life apart from God. See, sin distorts the picture created by God and instead of looking to God to make meaning out of our life, we look to created things in order to make meaning out of our life. We look to work, relationships, money, material things. We all have this temptation and this wrestle in our soul every day to either do like Adam and Eve did, which is to attempt to take and make for ourselves what we consider good in our work, in our finances, in our relationships, or to choose a different path. But the question is, how do we not only continue to choose to be motivated in love, but how do we stay rooted in love enough to labor from that place? I think there's two things. As I was reading and thinking about this, I just kept coming back to two very simple things, honestly. And one is being rooted in the gospel gives us the right perspective. And the second thing is being rooted in the gospel roots out faulty motivations. So the first one is, Rooted in the gospel produces the right perspective. I'm going through this study, um, and it's called what the, what the Women Saw. And it's an amazing Bible study. If you ever want to look it up, it's If Gathering. Um, but it talks about different women in the Bible and their experience encounters with Christ. The first one that they highlight is Mary, the mother of Jesus. And one of the things that stands out for me is that she knew the word of God so intimately, so deeply, She knew God, she knew his nature, she knew his character, and she trusted his word. Even when he came to her and was going to completely, not destroy, but completely change her life 
forever. She would have to live with the whispers and the rumors. And yet she believed that God was true to his word that he would bring to pass, past using her to do his goodwill in the earth. She still knew above it all that God could be trusted. Do we? Sometimes we get caught up in the anxiety of the world and what's happening around us that we can lose perspective. We can stick our head in the sand, so to speak, um, but the gospel helps us to look up and see that there is a greater reality beyond the one that we see right here. There is, um, one of my favorite scriptures is about Elijah and Gehazi. So Elijah is the prophet and Gehazi is kind of his assistant or PA. Um, and they go to sleep and they wake up and Gehazi's like, we're surrounded, we're surrounded. The enemies is surrounding them. And Elijah is unbothered. He's unmoved, he's unshaken. And Gehazi is like frantically running up and down um, the house, I'm sure. This is all made up. This is Miata's commentary. Um, <laughs> he's running around the house and he's frantic. And Gehazi says, prays this really simple prayer. He said, God opened his eyes. And God opens his eyes and he sees the hills filled with chariots. And he says, look and see, there's more with us than there are against us. And the gospel helps us to have a proper perspective. Um, you know, in John 1, verses 1 through 2, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. His Word is Him, and He is His Word. He's not like man that He can be separated from His Word. He says one thing and does another. No, He's the same all the time. His Word produces life. And because he is the Alpha and Omega, he's the answer. So if you're searching, you're confused, you are with the answer every single day. You're standing with the one who knows the seasons and the times because he created it, because he holds it together in tension and by his very being, the world doesn't fall apart. We stand with God in that way. You know, Ravi Zacharias, he's famous for this, this um, quote, and it says, you will only know who you are and what you're meant to do once you know whose you are. I would never take an Android to an Apple store. Why? Because they didn't make it. They don't know how it functions. They don't know how it works, and they surely can't fix it if it's broken. You're going to waste your time. It's the same with us. We need to go to the creator of our hearts, our souls, our minds, and our lives to find hope, to find solace, to find peace, to find rest, because when we're in the boat with him, we can't go down. He made the waters. <laughs> we can't go down. So I'm going to just, you know, slide over here right next to Jesus. Um, but the gospel is our operating system. It provides and produces the right perspective. The second thing is being rooted in the gospel roots out our faulty motivations. So a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if you watched this. Um, I love Stephen Furtick. I can't help it. But a couple of weeks ago, he um, shared a testimony in his church um, from a businessman that was in his church. And I think this pr perfectly displays what I'm about to say. I'll share the testimony here. So the guy texts in and he says, you know, right now, cash is king. 
It's the mantra in business right now. It's the oxygen to get you through this uncertain time. Delay payables, stay on top of receivables, and liquidate slow-moving inventory. Get and keep cash. The first 90 days will be extremely tough, and many will not survive. We know that if we can survive, we will thrive to the the other end. He says, I believed and was focused on cash as king. He got swept up in the world's anxiety. And then it hit me. I was being a heretic. Christ is king, not cash. My refuge can never be cash. Cash doesn't wrap its arms around you. Cash doesn't comfort you in sorrow. Cash doesn't provide a way out when you're stuck. Cash doesn't give you wisdom. There can only be one king. And in a time of uncertainty, we can so easily get swept up in the world's anxiety and and chaos. And I think this moment is really divine for all of us as a church because we have to come face to face with the choice. Is Christ king? And who is really king in your life? Are you running to money? Are you running to work? Are you running to relationships? And, and we can't even run to relationships because we have to social distance. <laughs> but the world is trying to tell us to store up for ourselves, to stockpile, to hoard, and to only rely on ourselves and our ingenuity and our good work. But we know that when we reach our end, we've only scratched the surface of the abundance of God. That's why Christ is king. Now listen, y'all, I've been running around doing all types of things, producing stuff, um, making things happen. It's just the way that I'm wired, and I believe that it is a godly gift. But if not checked by God, it can run into, the, into a ditch of faulty motivations. And the Lord really stopped me in my tracks. And I wish I could say that it was like years ago and I've arrived to this beautiful, enlightened place. No, it was six weeks ago. <laughs> the Lord was like, why, you know why you're stressed out? You know why you're mad? You know why you're frustrated? You know why you're tired? And I was like, why, Lord? And he was like, you're trying to be everything to everyone. And I'm the only one who can do that. That was number one. Just wait for the rest of it. Number two was put down what I didn't tell you to pick up. Number three, (laughs) the only fuel for your work is my presence. Okay, so after I gathered myself off of the ground, (laughs) I cried and repented to God and just was stunned because I had to give over the reins to my life again. I had to crown him again, Christ, as king in my life. And we have to do that daily. I feel like in this season, I'm doing that every day. I want to run to anxiety, but I have to say, no anxiety, you aren't king today. Christ is king. No finances and bank account and budget line items. Christ is king. Christ is king. Christ is king. Christ is king. And that's why being rooted in the gospel and in relationship with Christ is so important is because it keeps you on the straight and narrow path. 
when you want to run yourself and your motivations want to run you into a ditch, it pulls you back into the right place. It pulls you back into the right place. And you know what I love about this scripture, 1 Thessalonians 1.3? Is that it reminds us that there's three things we need to keep in front of us. Working in faith, laboring in love, and enduring in hope. And it's not a strive thing, it's a reciprocal relationship thing. The more that I get into the presence of God, the more he reveals himself to me, the more peace I get, the more hope I get, and the more on fire I become for him. It's reciprocal. And that's the secret that Ravi Zacharias knew. He knew that the more he got into the presence of God, the more God would reveal himself and the more on fire he would become to let everybody know this amazing God that he had encountered. Encountered a a Hindu boy when he was 18, an agnostic, and now has become the world's foremost Christian apologist. If that isn't a miracle of God, I don't know what it is. But that's how we can stay in love and in labor in love for the long haul is by being rooted and grounded in the gospel of Christ. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much. God, I thank you so much. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you that there is nobody greater, that there's no one stronger, that there's no one more holy, that there's no one more righteous, that there is no one better than you. God, we can search, we can seek, we can try to hide in anxiety and chaos, but we will never find peace there because peace is a person and and the person's name is Jesus. So God, every single person that may be watching this or hearing this later, God, I pray that peace, the person, would enter their home tonight. That you would invade every single crevice that you would by your spirit drive out the enemy and the whispers of doubt and disappointment that you would remind them to come back to your word because where your word is is where you are that you aren't separate from your word you are the same that you're not like man that you lie that you deceive you are faithful and you're unchanging and the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob is our God that he is a God of today and that there is no one stronger than he is and we can place the entirety of our life in his hands because he holds it so God I thank you I worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you, church, and I cannot wait to see you in person.